This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, federal election is happening. As of this weekend, Justin Trudeau hopes to get a majority. His advice to you, get vaccinated. Has this happened before? What does it look like in the landscape with all of the major parties? And what do Canadians need to know going into this election? Conversation with political scientist Dwayne Bratt. You don't want to miss that. On a case you missed it, Ryan O'Donnell gives a perfect example of why millennials need to put their phones away. Plus, look at a scary situation in Vancouver for a radio host and her car. And how the creators of South Park now own a very famous restaurant that's about to get more famous. Are you okay with weddings? Are you okay with jetpacks? All of these things, those two stories aren't related, by the way. All of these things are on the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. Ryan O'Donnell is here. Brendan Kelly's back after a week off. He's back from the vacation feeling refreshed and uh, not wearing a black t-shirt. So you must be like re-inspired. Uh, no, all my laundry. Oh, like I used oh, it all on right. vacation. So, yeah. Right. You know, that's so why. you're off to gray now. You're off to gray. Yeah. Used to be a white shirt that was washed with all the black shirts. Is that what happened here? <laughs> if only. Yeah. If only. Actually, it's a Duff beer shirt. Duff being oh, the beer on the Simpsons. Ah, yeah. That's excellent. very nice. I love it. Ryan O'Donnell is here as well. Uh, as, uh, as we were just chatting about during the break, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, uh, Brian McDonald, you get that people get it wrong all the time for you, don't they? All the time. It's at Starbucks. They hear Brian, especially if with the mask on, that makes it worse. Uh, if you're spelling it like you know, uh, for an account at a store or something, and then there's an apostrophe in my name, and that the apostrophe is like the That's, detriment. People lose their minds over it. They're like, where? Where do I put it? I don't know. Where does it sound like it should go? Right? Uh, but Starbucks is my favorite place because they always get my name wrong. But one time, I'll never forget it. <laughs> the lady, <laughs> she looks at me. What's, you know, what is your name? And I go, uh, it's Ryan. And she's got like this thick Russian accent, right? And she looks and goes, Ryan, oh God. And then she, you know, she makes a latte. It's really good. And then I look at the cup when I get back to work. And it's spelled R A Y N, rain, rain. So I just, like, <laughs> I just, my coworker walked in. I just go, hello, I am rain now. Like, <laughs> that makes I sense feel, though when you say it phonetically. Yeah, yeah it's fun. I like it. So I don't mind. It doesn't bother me. I got a frappy lappy Pacino for Brian McDonald. Now, the reason why this conversation comes up is now, I don't know if you know this, from time to time, Ryan will make a typo from time to time. It doesn't, doesn't happen often. <laughs> no, not at all. I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, one of the jobs of tasks of Ryan's job is to, you know, contact our network. We have a big network of friends that we reach out and chat to. And some people are super busy and have executive assistants and some have uh, marketing people and publicists and all these things. So Ryan always introduced himself. Ryan's very polite. And this is, this is uh, the first one says, Hi, Jerry. My name is Ryan O'Donnell. Ryan, how do you spell O'Donnell? O apostrophe D-O-N-N-E-L-L. <laughs> Ryan got his own name misspelled. I forgot an L. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a new one. In an you email, just, uh, he misspelled email. his own name. 
That's a typo. Mm, that's a new one. <laughs> that's a new Yikes. one. With that, let us begin with some fun here on the shift. And are you okay? <sighs> are you okay with weddings? Oh, yeah. If they I'm going it. to a wedding in like two oh. weeks. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's in like Okotoks. I'm emceeing, so I can't wait to oh, make some. Oh, you're going to Smokotoks, eh? Oh, yeah, Smokotoks. Going to have a great time. I'm going to just uh, emcee and make everybody really awkward and have a fun time. It's a toonie bar, so it's going to be a great wedding. Nice. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. I'm okay with weddings if they have an open bar. Toonie yeah. bar? I don't know. That's too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> too much. Wow. Too that much is beyond frugal. Very frugal. It's beyond frugal. I like weddings because I, I love, I'm a sucker, man. I, You guys know this. I'm a yeah, hopeless romantic. Too. I love love. Like when people are in love and they're having their wedding, I just don't like the the giant budget of it. Of course, you also know me that I'm frugal that way. Mm-hmm. My wedding was big when I got married and we felt like we had to invite everybody. And it was in Calgary, and I was on the radio doing music radio at the time in the city. And every table was from every other radio station because all your friends are, you know, your competitors at work. And with some people, we had to separate, of course, and um, because you know they were they dated, but now they worked at different rate. Like it's crazy, and it was so massive. I don't even really remember most of the day. You know what I remember? We had time between photos and dinner, so we went to a bar. The whole wedding party in the limo. We went to a bar. So that was it. That's really all I remember from the whole day. So my suggestion is if you have a wedding, do it quaint with the people that are most special and keep it simple. Yeah. But what about these weddings that go way over the top? Um, This uh, Calgary couple decided to tie the knot. Oh. That's a typo. And promptly hit the lake, question mark? Like, immediately. That's kind of fun. After eight years together, Ziv Feldman and Jim Carberry Feldman uh, decided to kick things up a notch. (laughs) Terrible, terrible reading, Shane. Kick things up a notch after getting married on August 11th. They decided to go wake surfing in their tuxedo and wedding dress. Fun. Here's more from Global Okanagan. It was fun. You know, you're on there and your veil's out and your dress is flying around and it's, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. This couple kicked things up a notch after tying the knot on August 11th. It was uh, a little uh, a little heavy, yeah. you know, the, the water in your clothes was a little bit heavy, but uh, once you're up, the, you can shake it off and yeah. pull everything into place so you get a good shot. After saying their Wednesday wedding vows, the newlyweds went out on their boat and jumped on their boards and wake surfed in their tux and dress. When I first started out, um, I wore a life jacket, but I couldn't, you know, you couldn't see that it was a dress. So then I thought, okay, well, I'll stick to the board and I got up. The unique stunt wasn't just to create one of a kind memories, but also to help brighten people's spirits. Fires, floods, pandemics, elections, you know, everything is kind of pushing and pressure on everybody's psyche and so we decided to have a little fun and you know happiness and make people smile well first of all congratulations to jill and ziv i think that's fantastic i don't think that's over the top awesome yeah yeah it's just how expensive was 
it's just pretty funny. The pictures are really funny of just like seeing. It's like that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where they get the wedding dress out of the boat and the, the water, and they think it's a ghost. That's kind of what she looked like floating in the water. It was like a, a ghost in like an I old so, right? sea tale. It was cool though. I like it. I don't think that's an over the top wedding. I think that is really creative uh, photos. Fantastic. I love it. One of a kind. Uh, that's for sure. A text came in about coffee, by the way, just to address one thing before we move too far off that topic. It says, Ryan, all in caps, R-Y-A-N period, which sounds an awful lot like, Ryan, Why? Correct. what would you go to Starbucks, question mark? <laughs> Autocorrect really is ruining our society. It is. A little bit, eh? A little bit. Yeah. Okay, let me try that again. Ryan, what would you go to Starbucks? Question mark. Roastery. Period. Higher ground. Uh, so those are two amazing coffee places in Kensington. Years ago mm-hmm. is when I went to Starbucks all the time. Although I do love Starbucks, I do. I will admit. However, my favorite place, Roastery, is really good. Higher ground's really good. But there's a place that's relatively new in Calgary called, I believe it's Ajudo, Agudo. It's an Ethiopian coffee place, and it's just like they age their espresso for a week. So it's like every latte just hits different. It's just fantastic stuff. And it's like 20 cents cheaper than the other places. 20 cents I've saved. Ooh. Can you believe uh, it? Yeah. 20 cents over what? Just just so you know, this is coming (laughs) from the guy who loves to go to Starbucks and just spent like all kinds of money on foam Crocs. By Kanye West that are selling for six hundred ninety nine dollars, they're Crocs, mm. right? So save twenty cents over. Where, where's the contrast? Is what I want to know. Are you okay. okay? Are you okay with jetpacks? Yeah, I actually, I'd want to travel that way instead of like in a giant yeah. tube with tons of other people. Just throw a jetpack on me, and I'll fly where I need to go. That's it's a long trip to Niagara Falls, buddy, from you. <laughs> but you Let's could go it. up and down the falls. Like, you could fly like Iron Man around it. And, you know, the British Navy is designing yes. a jetpack where it's like you've got turbines on your hands, and they're designing it so that their soldiers could literally, like, fly in between ships while they're at sea. I want one mm-hmm. of those. I just want to, like, glide across a river. That's cool amazing. Stuff, man. Jetpacks are up there when it comes to the list of the coolest things ever. I mean, man has wanted to fly. Sorry, people kind. (laughs) Uh, That's a Justin Trudeau joke. Uh, People kind have wanted to fly forever since the beginning of time. So, yes, they're way high on the list of cool things. Imagine being able to fly and listen to music. It's got to be the doobies, right? All at the same time. Okay, so maybe that is a better choice. What would you listen to if you could fly anywhere, though? What would be your song? I'm curious. Because you wouldn't listen uh, to that. Uh, I might. Uh, Actually, oh. Oh. Wait, what kind of... I would probably dive into like a Rob Zombie Dragula. 
yeah like so i was thinking would i want more of like a spacey feel like enjoy the feeling of flying or more holy crap i'm flying this is really cool i would do something like Freebird by leonard skinner that's what i would do <laughs> but like right at the solo you know yeah oh i'd probably this is like gonna be so weird coming for me but i'd probably do some kind of like orchestral film soundtracky thing like some hans zimmer or something no that's a cool yeah you gotta be epic when you're flying yeah yeah like the man of steel soundtrack sure yeah well yeah okay well that's cool i mean i don't know free bird i get it you know the um you know the sort of um i don't like the sort of free-spirited nature of it all but I think you got to go big, right? I think you go really, really big with that. I think you have to, and right, like Metallica, It'd be amazing. Putting on one. Well, yeah, <laughs> putting that's on the, one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very long, like three-minute intro. <laughs> <laughs> intro, which is the remastered here. The radio edit would have been a lot better. It was seven minutes and twenty-six seconds of nothing at the beginning of. See, this to me would be like you go big kick drum, you go like big song, right? Yeah, I can imagine. You know, this. the song is about being blown up by a landmine, right? Well, if you're flying, that's not a problem, is it? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, you can fly anywhere you want, take a flight around the world, or disturb one of the busiest airports in the world. Say hey. Last year, a mystery jetpack user was spotted flying near the L.A. airport and was promptly named both Jetpack Guy and Jetpack Guy and Iron Man. Maybe. Uh, there's nope. more, there was nope. more to that Shane doesn't there. have the updated script oh, that both okay. Brendan yeah. and I are looking at. Yeah, Shane, keep there's reading. Like a couple more lines yep. there. That's all yep. I was waiting for. Keep reading. For. <laughs> okay, well, here we go. Uh, probably named Jetpack Guy and Iron Man. And that same person is back. Here's more from ABC News and Ryan. That's what I was waiting for. Just caution, there was a report of a man in a jetpack around 5,000 in the vicinity of Los Angeles. This morning, the FBI is investigating after pilots over LAX spotted a man wearing a jetpack hovering at around 5,000 feet in the air. Use caution, the jetpack guy is back. It's the fourth appearance of the mystery aviator who has earned a nickname straight out of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I can fly. Back in December, a pilot on a training flight capturing this video of what appears to be someone wearing a jetpack flying just a few miles from the airport. We just passed a guy in a jetpack. Don't hear that every day. And just a few months earlier, multiple pilots preparing to land reported witnessing the high-flying hazard in the sky. You know, we just saw the guy pass by us. A person in a jetpack reported 300 yards south of the L.A. final at about 3,000 feet. Okay, first of all, uh, this text contribution for song that you should be listening to if you're a jetpack guy, I think is one of the greatest ones. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> I changed my the answer. Aviator yeah. song? Yeah, this works. It's fantastic. Right? All right, so I'm going to leave that on. Thank you very much uh, for that text message. Okay, um, the FBI and FAA have investigated the reported sightings, and I love this. Jetpacks can represent a hazard to aircraft. They can. I'm pretty sure aircraft represent a bigger hazard to the jetcraft jetpack guy. Just saying. It's a hazard for everyone in, engaged in that circumstance. Hamburger, baby. 
This is a hamburger. All right. Uh, some investigators believe it could be a drone made to look like a man in a jetpack. The FAA said it's aware of Wednesday's sighting and is investigating again. I mean, that takes nerve. If you're going to fly a jetpack, though, wouldn't you want to do it in a place where there are less flying things? Because I yeah, imagine LA's kind of congested. He's probably thinking, oh, there's a there's a runway. I'll just fly over that one. They're not using it. But they're always using it. There's always going to be something going or leaving, right? I don't know. I've, he's got a giant beach he could fly over. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, or now just the ocean with a boat yeah. to pick him up couple of water wings he'll be all right yeah i kind of like this i gotta tell you 10, nice good part of the song right there great contribution thank you so much okay uh let's continue with are you okay it's kind of a plain thing are you okay with laser pointers lasers lasers i never really use them much uh, but I mean, they're they're fine. Yeah, no, I'm not. They're a they're a silly invention. What do we need them? I just point at things, but they're more destructive than they are creative. I think. What if you're doing a speech and you've got a screen and you need to point at the screen? Oh, I guess. But we've got other things to use now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. If you if if you're randomly walking down the street and a laser all of a sudden shows up on your forehead. It's cause for concern. Yeah. Right? You're robbing a bank. Laser mm, beams are probably... Cool. Right? Cool use in movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Like, you got to go... Like, if you're going to rob the art gallery, right? You're going all Mission Impossible between the laser beams with the bendy guy mm, who yeah. always... It's always the bendy guy who gets in. Right? Yeah. The bendy guy. We can all agree that the best use for laser pointers is to point it at a cat and watch a cat lose its mind. That's easy. That's why the internet was created for videos exactly like that. One woman in Wisconsin, though, decided to have some fun with her cat using her laser pointer. Totally okay. Attached to a handgun. Totally not okay. And yes, of course, she accidentally shot somebody with that handgun. Here's more from Fox 6. On Tuesday, authorities responded to this Kenosha apartment complex where they found a 21-year-old man named James Daniels bleeding from a single bullet hole. Authorities spoke with a witness who says she was in an apartment with Daniels and another woman. Daniels placed a handgun on a dresser. The witness told police 19-year-old Jashanti Pleasant drank several shots of alcohol within an hour and picked up the gun. She turned the laser sight on and pointed it to the floor to get a cat to chase it. The witness heard the gun go off, and Daniels went into another apartment to stop the bleeding. Authorities found Daniels shot in the leg. They also found the gun was loaded with one round in the chamber and six rounds in the magazine. Pleasant provided a statement to police saying she was handling the gun when it accidentally went off. She said she apologized to Daniels, and he told her it was okay. It's okay that you shot me. I get it. I would do the same thing in that exact same situation. Shoot the gun? Full of drinks. <laughs> I'm just saying from his perspective, that's probably what he was thinking. It's like, oh, it's fine. The laser pointer with the cat, it's, uh, it's so much fun. I don't know about you. If I saw you have a few shots and then go pick up a handgun, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. That too. No word on Daniel's condition. 
Authorities say he was facing charges for violating bond conditions that prevented him from having a weapon, of course, because why wouldn't you have that layer in there? Women told The woman told police she thought the magazine had been taken out of the gun. Not the case. You know, you know what not the biggest the case. thing about this story that surprises me? That it took place in Wisconsin and not Florida. Not Florida. I was thinking that, too. Are yeah. you okay? Are you okay? With edibles. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, other people can do them. I'm okay with other people's freedoms, but uh, edibles, no. I've, I no. It's a risky business, man. I, I used to be not okay with them because it was never a dull moment. I'll put it that way. It took me 45 minutes to eat one slice of pizza one time because I was just on another <laughs> planet. But now okay. I... I had a rough experience by smoking, and now I can't smoke anymore. So I tried edibles that have CBD in them, and that's that's if I have cannabis, that's how I consume it now. And I've that I'm really comfortable with that now, but it's still hard to judge. You can never know how high you're going to get. That's the only so weird this, part that I don't. The like. THC for this non-weed people, Ryan. The THC is the high part. The CBD is the health benefit part. Yeah, it's more of like the mellow. So it's kind of like, you know, with this edible, it's half and half. So you get high for like 20 minutes and then you fall asleep. Yeah, that sounds fun. Nice. (laughs) It's kind of like hanging out with some of my friends anyway, except you don't need to take anything. You just hang out for 20 minutes, then get bored and fall asleep. (laughs) That's fair. Edibles can be a great way to consume cannabis if you're not into smoking, for example. The only problem is it's really hard to tell if you've had too many or too little. You have to be self-disciplined and you can't just have a bag of gummies. Like you would have your Swedish berries and just start mowing them back. So this seems to be a problem for Billy Crystal. He was speaking with Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show, and he revealed that he may have greened out while getting an MRI. What does greened out mean, Ryan, for everyone who doesn't know? That means that means you have so much weed that you, but you're basically, your brain says, all right, we're done. You, you fall asleep or you can't really do anything. You're just kind of like That'd be- a vegetable. The passing yeah. out of the too many shots. Yeah, it's similar okay. to yeah that. B- Billy Crystal said his doctor recommended he get an MRI after he experienced strange pain in his hip, possibly from a workout. Because he's very claustrophobic, he was really nervous. <laughs> because he was, quotes, very claustrophobic, he was, quotes, really nervous. About the procedure, he decided to get some weed gummies to help calm himself. The guy at the cannabis place said, because there's a section for seniors, two will make you feel good. So I said... I really want to feel fabulous, he told Jimmy Fallon. He ended up taking four and got the munchies at the worst possible time and place. And they give you this thing to squeeze, so in case you get into trouble, you just squeeze it, and he says, what can I do, and I'll get you out of there, right? Yeah. So about half hour in, I got really hungry. <laughs> oh, my and, God. You're a stoner now. Jeez. Yeah, and I, so I squeeze the thing. He goes, are you okay, Mr. Chris? I said, yeah, yeah. Is there... Is there a Taco Bell? <laughs> By the tube, is there any? Yeah, no. He said, no, all right, all right, okay, all right, all right. Now, f- 40 minutes in, I squeeze it again. And he goes, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking uh, Postmates, would they deliver? <laughs> just get me a Taco, just get me like, something, get me a burrito. I'm thinking gumbo or Nutella French toast, something. <laughs> According to Insider, Crystal did eventually get nachos at Taco Bell after he was done with the MRI, but not before he accidentally walked out of the medical building without changing out of his gown and exposing his backside. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, he said that during the interview. 
Oh, yeah, that's Billy there, Crystal Billy. being Billy Crystal. He's the best. This is the Shift Podcast. Spoiler alert. There's going to be an election. <laughs> if you hadn't heard, that is the conversation that we are leaning into here on the Shift. Snap election, I guess. Is it really a snap election when everyone's been guessing for about nine months that it's going to happen? Dwayne Bratt, political scientist, MRU, is with me now to chat about this and bounce this around. Hi, Dwayne. How are you? Hey, Shane. And no, it's not a snap election. <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking... A snap election is when it comes out of the blue and no one suspects it. Yeah. Uh, everyone knew that this was coming. We weren't quite sure of the exact date, but we knew it was going to happen sometime in the fall. Don't they know we have plans? Like, you have things you need to do, not be on TV and the radio all the time? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for everyone who doesn't know, the photos, the photo ops were aplenty today. The Prime Minister with his family, masks on, walking over to Rideau Hall to um, knock on the door. <laughs> Hello, Governor yeah. General, election time. So, that all unfolded this morning. Where are we at, Dwayne? Well, and then we get the rollout speeches, uh, which are important, uh, less so for the prime minister, although he did have to answer the question about why um, we're having an election. Uh, and then for the opposition leaders who haven't got a lot of traction uh, because of COVID, it's an opportunity, especially for Aaron O'Toole, to make a, to make a first impression. And so we we had the uh, the symbolism of Rideau Hall. You know, maybe they had brunch together, um, and then we got the the set speeches, and then the the punditry. So that's where we are now. And this will be um, one of the shortest election campaigns ever. And the reason I say that is um, it's the minimum length. So we go Monday, September twentieth. So there's no election that's been shorter. But the other is typically we're in the middle of August right now. And so, yeah, we're talking about this and political junkies are talking about this. I think the vast majority of Canadians are going to start paying attention after Labor Day. Well, let's look at that calendar, Dwayne. I mean, you, uh, you have your family. I have my family. I mean, I call it what it is. You're, and I, I don't mean to share your personal life, but I mean, you have an, a Sunday afternoon, typical Sunday afternoon filled with lacrosse. Yes. I have... Back to school coming up here in a couple of weeks. My afternoon is filled with the show jumping show on Sunday. And then we are back to school and hockey tryouts, right? So this is real life stuff. It never escapes me that this timing of these short election calls tend to also cross over when we are often the busiest as well. Yeah. And I mean, there's going to be uh, a lot of chatter at the rank that I'm going to the, um, to talk about uh, politics, but it's only because I'm there. And people know who I am, so they're going to come up to me. But if I wasn't there, I'm not sure the chatter would be about the election as opposed to are the Calgary Mountaineers going to beat the Edmonton Miners today? Right. Which, who's going to win, Dwayne? (laughs) Uh, Well, obviously the Mountaineers. (laughs) No bias. No bias at all. Um, So, okay, one of the questions asked was if – the prime minister loses because this to me and you can always correct me as i invite you always i mean there's nothing to benefit other than power in parliament so um they must have research somewhere inside the liberal party that says now is the time if you want to get all the power and reset for four years if that doesn't happen the canadian government has just wasted all kinds of dollars and our time 
plus uh, uh, people who make political donations to their favorite parties, all of that money gets wasted to get back to exactly the same place. I'm not sure it's all completely wasted. And we've seen examples of this in in the past. So I've been reminding people that in 2008, Stephen Harper was never defeated in a non-confidence vote, pulled the plug early on a minority government, went to the polls thinking he could form a majority and didn't. Uh, but I don't think it was it was a waste. Uh, it's an opportunity for people to have their voices heard. Now, I think the Liberals have looked at the calendar. I think they've looked at polling data. They think that this is the sweet spot to go to the polls. And so does that sound like politics? Of course it is. Like every other election we have in the in the country. If you're saying, well, a minority parliament should only go when it's defeated in a non-confidence vote, well, the opposition parties are making that same political calculation. It's true. Right? And so yeah, both Singh and O'Toole spent time today saying this is an unnecessary election. Why are we having that? Sure, make that argument. But if that's your campaign thrust, that's going to lose steam pretty, pretty quickly. Much more so for the conservatives, because there are conservative supporters who have wanted an election pretty much since the day after Trudeau was reelected in 2019. I mean, if you're calling him, you know, Castro's love child and, he, uh, and a supporter of Chinese communism and the worst prime minister ever, but no, we can't have an election. We need him to stay in charge for another couple of years. Wow. <laughs> That's a bit of a contradiction. That's the crossroads that I was really looking at, too, with the statements about, hey, this election, why now, why now, why now? If you're the leader, I don't think you could stand up in front of the podium, in front of the people that you know follow you, and say, I don't want to do my job right now. Right. And I think that that's such a crossroads. And you can't win when you're saying, hey, this guy has made a decision that we don't like. But how can you not like the opportunity to change things and grow your department? To me, it seems like uh, it's a lose lose situation that they're in if they complain about the election. Well, and likewise, the liberals have to come up with a credible case for why they're calling it without being completely honest, which is we think we can form a majority government. That's why we're calling it. Just say it. No, they have to say we did. We think we did a really good job with COVID in the vaccine procurement and economic supports for, for individuals and businesses. Therefore, we need to be rewarded for that. Also, um, given the work that we did on COVID, we are best placed to get us fully out of COVID and oh, by the way, we had this great child care plan that we've been uh, reaching uh, agreements with almost every province. And if uh, we're not reelected, those deals will go away. Uh, so they needed to come up with a with a credible case. And I think they did uh, about why they're calling this election without really telling the truth that, yeah, in addition, we looked at polling numbers. We looked at the timetable, and this is the best possible chance for us. So how close does it get for another party like the NDP or the Conservatives to step in and say, hey, by the way, everything they said about childcare, we'll do that too? Because that, to me, seems to take the leverage away. And what I'm noticing as I get older through all this, Dwayne, is that elections are this much short of extortion when it comes to uh, leverage in voting, right? So the same thing happened in regards to non-confidence votes last fall when they prorogued parliament 
because that was headed to non-confidence right away. And then what did they do? Well, they said either this is all going to expire, and if we hold an election right now, nothing can be renewed. All Canadians yeah. are going to go without money for six weeks. Da 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 da. I mean, that if you if you and I did that on the street and we were just trying to do business with a little bit of hustle, we would yeah. get called extortionists. Yeah, uh, you're, you you basically, uh, with more colorful language, describe Jagmeet Singh's speech today. Oh, wow. Saying um, there wouldn't be a child care program if you didn't have a strong NDP sitting in parliament. There wouldn't have been these great economic supports if you didn't have a strong NDP and a minority government pushing the liberals to do the right thing. Um we're going to talk about pharmacare. The liberals talk about pharmacare. They don't get it done. They need us to push them or you need us in power. And I don't think the NDP is about to form government, but I think their case is you need a strong NDP presence to force the liberals to do these things. The more difficult challenge is for the conservatives because we had this fight over childcare in 2006. Paul Martin signed an agreement before going to the polls with every province. They had a set childcare plan and the Conservatives came out and said, we're, we would scrap that, and instead we would give money directly to parents, uh, child tax uh, benefit. And you have a choice. You have the government program of the Liberals, or you have the cash money from the, the, the Conservatives. And the Conservatives won that argument. Whether that was solely about child care or whether there was a bunch of other issues, they won that argument. The question is, 15 years later, are people going to make that same calculation, especially in the aftermath of, of COVID, right? And, and so I think uh, the, uh, uh, the the Liberals are using child care uh, as, a, um, uh, as a political weapon against the Conservatives, especially given, I mentioned, they've, they've reached agreement with seven provinces. It's who they haven't reached agreement with. Uh, Ontario and Doug Ford, Alberta and Jason Kenney, and New Brunswick and Blaine Higgs, three Conservative premiers. And so uh, expect Justin Trudeau to spend as much time talking about Jason Kenney as he does Aaron O'Toole. Well, they're, I totally think they're going to use Jason Kenney. I mean, you've already seen it in political ads in BC where uh, NDP supporter groups are convoluting them, making the waters very muddy in that that Jason Kenney's you know, decisions in Alberta are somehow related. They're using the bad example of a conservative to erode Aaron O'Toole. But just to be clear, the Liberals canceled the child tax care benefit. So in theory, didn't they actually create this problem? This is where I go back into the extortion part, because they've they actually canceled the child care benefit that everybody had. Now everyone's up in arms saying we need a benefit. And then they're coming in to save the day. They're kind of like lighting the fire in the building, running away, putting on their fireman suit, driving back and putting out the fire. Unless you say, would you like $10 a day daycare? Yeah, you know, and if you're the Quebec government, who goes, uh, by the way, we've already got one, so we'll just take the money for a program we're already operating. You know, uh, it, it's tough to leave money on on the table, and so you may say, well, that's bribing Canadians with their own money. Again, something we have seen for 150 years of uh, of Canadian politics. Should Justin Trudeau step down if they only win a minority? He was asked that multiple times, and you're never going to answer that because you, you've, you've put a line in the sand. I think there would be pressure on him depending on what the result is. So let's say you don't win a majority, but you're a seat away. 
That's an effective majority. Um, do you step down? No. Well, what about two seats? What about five seats, right? And, and you can start to see where that goes. What if you are stuck in exactly the same position you are right now? Does Aaron O'Toole step down? You know, so um, you, the, you never answer that question you, uh, because as Jean Chrétien used to always say, I don't answer hypotheticals. And you may think that's dodging the question, but no, it gives you mobility. It gives you uh, freedom uh, to, to make choices. And sometimes that choice is made for you. In history, we see the Conservative perform better when the NDP are stronger. Uh, the NDP were, were being reported as pretty much broke there uh, a year or so, a year and a half ago, um, just because the last election was so expensive. Are the NDP strong enough to split that side of the vote and give space to Conservatives? The NDP, without a doubt, are stronger now than they were in 2019. And I think part of that is they actually have more money. They have a, they have a plane this time. They didn't have a plane until midway through the campaign. So they've yeah. got more money. Jagmeet Singh is doing very well in, in polls of, of, of leadership uh, endorsement, leadership support. It's also his second uh, election, right? So he's got a firmer grasp on things. And he can credibly say to NDP voters, you know, I got a lot. I was able to push the Liberals uh, because of our work. And you're seeing the collapse of the Green Party. Uh, the Greens um, got 1.2 million people to vote for them in 2019. They won seats outside of BC for the first time, but they are self-imploding, self-inflicted wounds. We don't have time to go into all of the details and what happened here, but the average voter is looking at these people and go, you guys are not ready for prime time. Where do they go? My guess is they're going to the NDP and Jagmeet Singh. And yeah. so watch BC. BC is going to be a major battleground there and i think the ndp will will do well yeah well and it has to be internal imploding when you look at the fact that the uh green conversation is so prominent in general in life and if you can't win seats when this is the conversation that says something my goodness um does it help that jugmeet singh is about to become a dad i think it does it's it relatable. never hurts i mean visuals matter right and and bios matter so you've got justin trudeau walking to rito hall hand in hand with with his wife sophie and all of their kids um who seem to have aged over the last six years uh and then you've got jagmeet singh with a newly expected uh, uh wife next to him you know those are those are nice uh visuals yeah and one last note the conservative willy wonka commercial Oh, <laughs> okay, so I got to describe what just happened. Dwayne Bratt just facepalmed. <laughs> you know, you can make the case that Trudeau is only calling this to get a majority government. He's only doing this for personal gain. That is legitimate. As I said, it, it, it also is the traditional Canadian politics. But that ad was ridiculous. It was juvenile. It was offensive at times. And you're wondering who in their ad team came up with this and who approved this. Mm -hmm. um, this is not the first ad mistake that O'Toole has made. There was the porta potty ad that he did in the summer. Uh, and it's like, come on guys. And yeah. so he's asked about that. And instead of going, it was a mistake. We apologize. We've taken it down. 
he just dodged the question in the in the press conference. And it's not liberals criticizing this. It's not the NDP criticizing it. It's not pundits like myself criticizing it. You got people like Brad Wall, former Saskatchewan premier, conservative. You've got conservative MPs apologizing on behalf of the leader. This is not a good way to start off the campaign. Well, if they wanted to have a, a ad about him throwing a tantrum, they and throwing things like that other layer of the ad they could have just run some clips over the course of time that they have many clips of him throwing a tantrum so yeah yeah that- i mean there's the the clip that they use all the time about him marching um uh, in in parliament and you know elbowing the the ndp uh, mp and grabbing somebody yeah, yeah throw that clip in yeah don't put his head on a 50 year old movie yeah yeah, well, that's another thing, too. Um, you can tell who it's targeted at. It's dreadful. Dwayne Bratt, um, not only lacrosse ref extraordinaire, um, but also our go-to for insight on all things uh, politics. And I understand your next 24 hours after lacrosse is done is probably going to be really busy. So I am very grateful for you sharing time. Yeah, August 16th, we're back at work. So all right. <laughs> you have to go back and be a teacher again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You have a fantastic day today. Okay, we'll see you, Shane. It's the Shift Podcast. It's time to have some fun now with In Case You Missed It. In case you missed it on the radio, here's... People need to continue uh, to step up and get vaccinated. Donald. I can't believe that was the answer. It was the answer. It's who I am now. Thanks, Trudeau. Thanks for nothing. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Uh, all right, my friends, I'm going to I'm going to say something on national radio. I may be the first millennial to ever say this. Put your phone down. <gasps> oh, no, I know. Wow, I know. Please would you do don't adjust your radio. Don't adjust your headphones. I did just say that I've actually kind of had a rude awakening to this uh, lately that I'm excited to talk about. But I have evidence that this is something that my generation need to be doing. Over the weekend, the MLB hosted what I believe is the most important game they have hosted in decades. It was the Field of Dreams game. Did you guys ever watch that movie? Kevin Costner, classic sports movie. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of the best sports movies ever made. Well, the Mm -hmm. MLB hosted a game to invoke the memory of that movie. They played it in Iowa, the first MLB game ever in Iowa. They built a stadium around a cornfield. The players entered the stadium through a cornfield. It was one of those moments where, and it's funny because the MLB is 100% uh, commercializing on this, but it really did feel like this game we're watching is about the sport of baseball which is a sport that is struggling right now. They can't connect to young audiences as much. They keep having to change the rules. Baseball's not having a good time, but this game was incredible. There's a Here's a great summary of the whole spectacle, because it really was one from NBC. Even if you don't give a hoot about Major League Baseball, what happened last night in Dyersville, Iowa, was really cool. As the players emerged from a cornfield, Mirroring the magic of the movie Field of Dreams, there was nary a dry eye. Look at those special kicks he's got going. And what followed in the first ever Major League game played in Iowa was truly special under a persimmon-colored sky. 
Yankees and the White Sox. In a specially built field crowned with corn, it was a home run derby. Mixed with blazing strikeouts. Puffin and puffin with a And a finish that, if scripted, would have been rejected as impossible. The incredible Yankee comeback in the ninth inning. Anderson hits it in the end right. Back at the wall. The White Sox win it. Followed by an even more magnificent White Sox walk-off triumph. The feeling among players and fans, let's do this again with baseball announcing a game will be played there again next year. Harry Smith, NBC News, New York. It's just awesome. It's just so cool. And also the Chicago White Sox. I'm a Cubs fan. I would like to announce that first. The White Sox put on one of the best uniforms I've ever seen in baseball. And the Yankees lost. It was a great day for baseball. Except it was not a great day for one millennial. His name is Zane Tackett. He was sitting the front row right behind the hitters, the pit, like the whole, like literally, like, you know, when you watch baseball on TV, you could see this kid in the front row. He was on his phone when that walk-off homer won the game for the Chicago White Sox. He was looking down to see when shortstop Tim Anderson hit that two-run homer beating the Yankees. Yes, it was just a crowd of just under 8,000 people. And he was looking down at his phone. You can watch it on Twitter. Now, he has come out. He was on a local Iowa radio show and said, "This is I'm so stupid for doing this. And yeah, you are. I mean, huh. it's, it's tough to really sometimes, I think maybe because for my generation, it can be tough to recognize how amazing of a moment you're in because you're constantly checking to see what other moments other people are in. And I really recognize this when I was going to concerts, I would record the whole thing on my phone. And then I realized, why am I watching it on my phone when I could just watch the show and remember it? So now I only really record maybe my favorite song from the concert. But even this weekend, I went to the Van Gogh experience, the live exhibit where they have all the Van Gogh paintings on the walls and it was genuinely an overwhelmingly amazing experience. It's my favorite painter and like it was beautiful. I took one I took two videos, but all around me, everybody running up, take a picture, take a picture. And they even say before you go in, please don't use the flash. <laughs> it's just every 30 seconds, flash, flash. And it wasn't just like boomers. It was my pe- it was it was my millennials. My my fellow millennials were the ones who had the flash on more. And it's just, I just I, I it bothered me a lot because I'm looking around and as I'm I was I, I'll, I'll never forget this moment I was standing and it's one of Van Gogh's Starry Night paintings not the very famous one I mean it's also a famous one it's of another French town and the transition to that with the music it was like uh, it was an amazing thing and I just stood there and Laura was like I looked at you and your mouth dropped like you were on a roller coaster right but as I turned my head and I finished doing a little twirl around. I noticed that every single person was just holding their phone up and I wasn't. And I feel like I created more of a memory than I would have if I just took a quick little video. And I don't know. I think that this kid having a goof looking at his phone at one of the coolest baseball games in decades is proof that this is like, 
there is a time and a place, and you should be not be te- checking TikTok when you're watching baseball history unfold literally right in front of you. Uh, there is some psychology that goes over doing that and watching the screen and your brain doesn't remember it the same way. You don't process it the same way because of the screen and the small uh, two-dimensional view of it, which is kind of cool stuff to your point. I, you know, do you remember the, um, there's that picture that it's been a meme a million times, but it's the guy, he's got his hat on backwards and sunglasses up on top of his head. Yeah. Yeah, He's got his hand up trying to cover in the eye because the sun was in his eyes. That always reminds me of the stupidest (laughs) baseball moment of all time. Yeah. That's up there. That's probably one of the dumbest baseball moments. Yeah. Love it. Anyway, this is a message to my, my fellow millennials. Try it out. Next time you're at a concert, limit yourself to two songs. Don't even post anything on your Instagram. Just enjoy the moment because there's some pretty amazing moments out there, my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's let's do this. This is this to me is like a horror story, man. Okay, this is definitely a story that flew under the radar because we had the election and the collapse of Afghanistan this weekend. What a great weekend! Uh, a BC woman, she's pretty angry and frustrated, and rightfully so, after she found herself in a situation I don't think any human being on planet Earth would like to find themselves in. She was locked out of an Impark Parkade downtown Vancouver, despite paying the late-night rate. So she paid to stay there till 11, but the Parkade closed, locked her inside. Mm-hmm. Downtown. On a weekend. Kristen Robinson has more on the interesting corporate mistake, which will, I'm sure, make your hatred of parking companies even more. And uh, also how this is not a great time for it to happen because sexual assaults are skyrocketing in the area. Hours after her vehicle was trapped in this Impark lot, Casey Jolos takes a photo of the revised sign. As of Saturday... The parkade gate closed and locked at 8 p.m. But on Friday, it was 11 p.m. I don't know if I'm going to get my car out or how I'm going to get home, and I was feeling very vulnerable. The radio host had just finished working a late shift when she returned to the Vancouver House lot on Seymour Street before 10 p.m. to find the gate closed, even though she'd paid to park until 11. When she called Garda for after-hour access... She says she really felt the squeeze. And I'd have to give them $60 cash to get my car out. And I said, how did this happen? Because the sign says it's open till 11 and it's not even 10 o'clock. And they said, yeah, I know, this is, this is just something that happens. Lowe says a friend also called Garda but was told the same thing. So she decided to cough up the cash. They told her someone's going to come and take me to a bank machine. No one came, and somehow a car eventually came out of the gate, and I just ran in and got my car and drove home. Still frustrated, she tweeted about the parking shakedown, generating an outcry. I felt really angry at first when I heard that this is just a thing that happens, but then I felt scared. Especially since the VPD just revealed reports of stranger sexual assaults were up 129% last month compared to July two years ago the majority of attacks in the Granville Entertainment District nearby. I don't want to be hanging around downtown Vancouver 
kind of against my will. In a statement, Impark says we're working directly with the customer to address the situation and are grateful it was brought to our attention. They apologized profusely. Uh, they said that actually this parking lot in particular closes at 8 o'clock now due to COVID. They need to ensure that if you're updating your policies, you update your signage. Um, I also think you need to recognize that this is not a cash society anymore, and so whoever is requesting cash um, you know, late at night doesn't make sense to me. You need to provide people with options to pay, but the most important thing is to give that person a chance to get their vehicle and to get home safely. Garda did not respond to Global News. Impark does not oversee the contractor responsible for after-hours access, but is ensuring its parkade signage is changed to reflect the earlier closing. I hope that you can safely park your car somewhere and you don't feel like you're potentially going to be scammed. Kristen Robinson, Global News. That's an so amazing many, story. So many things wrong there. A, the situation she was put in, the mm -hmm. confusion on the signage, the cash. You have to give me $60 cash. E-transfer even. That's so bizarre. That's I mean, it's there's... There's so many things that are wrong about that situation. And even, uh, oh my, I just had a complete brain fart. But I don't know. I'm just happy she was okay. But at the same time, this communication has to get better. Uh, there's my story. So over the weekend, Cora, the lovely puppy, the my puppy. partner Laura's puppy, somehow escaped a kennel while we were gone. And somehow ate glasses, like reading glasses, plastic, but still. So we took her to the emergency room to what online is advertised as a 24-hour place. But then you get there, and the 24-hour sign is completely covered. We're open till 10, and the parking lot is completely full. We got there at 9, right? And so that mm -hmm. just shows how important that communication is because the first place people check is going to be Google. And if you don't have that up-to-date there mm -hmm. in every way possible, there are, situations like these are going to happen. So, bam. I would like to, uh, if I don't know if you know Casey Jolos, but uh, from Vancouver, if you're if you're on the West Coast and you've listened to rock radio, alt rock radio, all that stuff, any time in the last 10, 12 years, you know Casey Joe. Uh, Casey Joe is one of the most down to earth, uh, grounded, peaceful hearted humans. She's very smart and she'll always stand up for herself. She's amazing that way. But I just wanted she's on C Fox on the weekends. And um, if you're ever in Vancouver listening to music radio, listen to Casey Jolos. Um, she's dynamite. She's a fantastic human. She's very good at what she does. And she's the kind of music radio uh, jock that really inspires you. And I just say that because that's just what I think of her. And she's nice. great. Yeah. Nice. No, she's so fantastic. Yeah. Great. Well, speaking of which, can I end on great news? I have fantastic mm -hmm. news. I have news yeah. that made this is news that when my roommate told me we hugged and high fived. Oh, a few weeks wow, ago I mentioned I mentioned that uh, Casa Bonita, the famous restaurant featured in South Park, was going out of business. But the creators of South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, were interested in purchasing this legendary restaurant. Why is this restaurant legendary? Well, it's not for the food. Apparently, the food is terrible, but. It has a cliff diving area. It has a cave full of spooky things, photos, a mariachi band. Like, it's basically a Mexican theme park that's also a restaurant. But 
It's official, my friends. We, the saviors have emerged, and it's not bankruptcy protection. It's two guys by the name of Matt and Trey. Yes, oh. Casa Bonita, famous oh South Park episode, will now be owned and operated by the guys who make South Park. There's more from CBS4. This morning, the governor addressed what he called the elephant in the room, uh, asking Stone and Parker about Casa Bonita and its future. We've, we've come to uh, an agreement with the owner. And we bought it. Yeah. Congratulations! Oh my gosh! Congratulations! <laughs> it's awesome. It's such a great day. It's such a wonderful day. We did it. <laughs> and Stone did caution the deal must go through bankruptcy proceedings. And of course, South Park introduced Casa Bonita to the world in an episode that included Cartman trying to escape police inside that restaurant. But the governor asked another question on the minds of everyone who's eaten at the restaurant here. The food could be a little better. You've probably heard yeah. that. I so. think it could be a little more than a little yeah. better. A little, there you, <laughs> go. you know it's bad better. when I when I took my daughter when she was four and she was like, oh, like yeah. if, a, if a kid can't stomach it, it's pretty bad. It was like survive the food, stay for the experience. Yeah, yeah. We, we love, you know, maybe some growing in color. No, no, no. I mean, I think, I think everyone knows the potential of what yeah. that place can be. I think a lot of us would argue the food can be better here. That's how bad the food is there. That even the reporter <laughs> says on air... Yeah, they got terrible food here. Uh, this is so cool because they allegedly spent $900 million in getting a big deal with Paramount. So they just got a huge, huge boost to create all this new content, which means that South Park, is the creators are going to have more money than ever. And they went, now is the time to buy this restaurant. And I think that's fantastic. This is going, me, we're, I'm doing a road trip. When this is officially... A, like a South Park attraction. I am doing a road trip just so I can eat bad Mexican food and run around like Eric Hartman in this fantastic episode, which is one of the best episodes of South Park. So I just think this is cool that they genuinely love this place. When they were starting out in comedy, they would go there because they thought it was so stupid and weird. They would go there all the time for dinner. So they shouted it out on their show. They made a part of their video game has levels in Casa Bonita. And now... It's theirs. And I think that's such a cool story. I would like to just add that uh, one small edit to when you said that now they finally they have lots of money. I think they've always had lots. Of, you know when you find $5 in your fall coat when you put it on? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, five bucks. I, I think, think that's so. what happened with these guys. I think they basically pulled out their their pocket change. And you know, four hundred thousand dollars to buy them out of debt when bloop on the floor, and they're like, "Oh, hey, look, five bucks to them," and they're like, "Hey, a couple hundred grand found it in my coat. Let's buy a restaurant." I don't think it was taxing on their finances. Probably not, but hey, the end result is that there is this restaurant in Colorado that I wanted to check out anyway. This is cool. But now I want to make a whole trip. I'm going to see an avalanche game, and then I'm going to spend half my time at Casa Bonita. It's neat because they won't have to pay for licensing the same way, right? So they can no, just they won't make it, like legit. I expect plenty of Casa Bonita um, merchandise and use in the new seasons, and yeah. fourteen original South Park movies, four new games, and seven more seasons. That's the Paramount deal. That's South Park deal. is going to be around for a long time, which is good. I, and I, if you, the whole thing gets paid for by merch alone. I would bet. Casa Bonita? Oh, uh, yeah. And even just the attraction of it, because it's going to be the kind of place where you go in, have the food and take pictures, and then there's going to be a gift shop 
where you but have they, to go to. Like me at like the Van you, Gogh thing. I bought a crops. I bought a poster. Or or yeah, maybe South Park I will come out with their own uh foam croc. Yeah, I call it a, the Eric Crockmans. And very good. See, there you go. Trademark it. Ryan, don't steal that. And uh you'll probably pay six hundred bucks for it, so why not? Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.